Hey everyone, welcome to Midcurrent Church. My name is Sten and I am the pastor here. And whether you are at Camp St. Croix or tuning in online today, I am really so glad uh, that you could be with us. I, on the other hand, am bummed to not be with you physically today. As you watch this, um, I will actually be at Cedarbrook Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. You see, before planting Midcurrent, um, I worked at Cedarbrook for four years. They actually helped launch Midcurrent into existence. They have been uh, one of our biggest cheerleaders ever since. And their founding uh, pastor, who I worked uh, right alongside with for each of those four years, uh, he's retiring. Uh, and today is his official last service at Cedarbrook. And, and so the whole church asked uh, if I would join them for the morning. And they actually asked as well uh, if I would lead all of the music uh, just as I did not long ago. And so I'm really excited to be with them on this exciting day, but I'm really sad not to be with all of you. But here's the good news, okay? You have all ha uh, have had six months. You all have had six long uh, months of practice watching me on a screen, and I have had six months practice of speaking right into the camera. And so today, uh, hopefully, we will not skip a beat and that is is really good because uh, we are in week number three of our series called I'm in right with, with some inspiration from Life Church uh, in, in Edmond Oklahoma as well as a Manhattan pastor named Timothy Keller this whole series uh, was designed to teach you and to remind you and to help you understand what is true about you it's a series designed to teach you what it is that God sees in you because as God's own, his sons and his daughters, something amazing happens to us. We receive an identity, right, as a gift and something that we do not have to work for. In today's world, it's becoming more and more common to create an identity of our own choosing, right? Today, you can be whoever you want to be. And that might sound really freeing and that might sound really appealing, but I actually think that it sounds like a whole lot of work. Right, to, to invent and to maintain and to fight and scream and yell to be who it is that I have determined I want to be. I actually find a whole lot of, uh, of rest and a whole lot of comfort in knowing uh, that in Jesus we receive an identity. We do not have to achieve one. Okay? We, don't, we don't have to earn it. We don't, we don't have to work for it or fight for it. Instead, right, that there are some things that are simply true about us because of God's love for us and because of God's design for us and because of what Jesus has done for us. And so this series is, is meant to help you understand uh, four things that are true about you, four things that God sees in you. They all start with the letters I-N, making up this four-week series titled I'm In. Okay, here they are. Number one, I'm invited, right? In week one, we talked about the truth that you are invited into God's family. Number two, I'm invaluable. Last week, we talked about the reality that you are invaluable to God's work. Uh, to God's work. All of us together, we make up what is called the body of Christ, right? And every part of the body matters. And when you do your part, we can do our part, right? We can do the work that God has called us to do. Number three, I'm influential, right? Today, I'm really excited to talk about the truth that you are influential to God's story. Number four, I'm invested. Next week, we'll wrap up this series by talking about the truth that you are invested into God's kingdom here on this earth, right? Those are the four things that I want you to know wherever you are today. 
I, I want you to know you are invited into God's family. You are invaluable to God's work. You are influential to God's story and you are invested in God's kingdom. And so today I, I want to talk about your influence and my influence because each and every one of us is incredibly influential to God's story. Each of us is influential to the, to the distribution of the good news of Jesus Christ. The challenge, however, uh, is that as a society, I, I think we're starting to lose an important sense, uh, an important understanding of what influence really is. So I think more and more people uh, today believe that influence begins with a platform, right? If, if you're a politician, well, 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 then you have a platform to be influential. Or, or if you're an athlete, well, well, then you have a platform to be influential, right? If you have a certain income or a status or a title, well, then you have a platform to be influential. If you're a pastor, right, well, then you have a platform to be influential, okay? And if you're 30 or younger, right, that, that platform, in your mind, it might be this little thing called Instagram, right? You might be thinking, well, hey, if, if you have or if I have a, a large enough Instagram following, okay, well, well, then you have a platform to be influential. And in fact, did you know, and some of you will know this and some of, some of you won't, did you know there is an actual thing in the world today called an influencer, Okay, here's a few definitions and a few stats about uh, influencers from, from this graphic comparing American and European understanding of influence. An influencer, it says, uh, is someone who has 10,000 or more followers online. They help promote a brand or, or engage with a brand or they're an expert in their, in their field. And then they break it down a little bit. Look at this. 53% think influencers have 10,000 or more followers. 34% in Germany thought that it was actually... 50,000 or more followers that made you an influencer. And 21% thought influencers were, were people who were famous. Okay? And then my favorite note here on this uh, little chart said this. It said that people 55 to 61 really didn't know what an influencer was. Okay? And if that's you, do not feel bad. I only first learned about influencers uh, a few years ago. Just a few years ago when my wife Erica and I watched the Netflix uh, documentary about the fire festival, right? It, it was these influencers uh, who helped create the greatest party that never happened. Any, anyone see the Netflix uh, documentary about the fire festival? He, here's what happened. Some entrepreneurs and a few in the entertainment business, they partnered together uh, to create the fire festival, which got billed as the party of the century down in the Bahamas. It was going to be the hottest, the most electric, the most luxurious, the most elite music festival ever. And before a single detail was really confirmed, before a single band was even booked, before a single vendor was uh, ever contracted, right, before a single second uh, of the event uh, even took place, the festival went viral. I mean, it blew up overnight that the richest and like the most elite people from all around the world bought their tickets for the upcoming fire festival. And these tickets were expensive because this was going to be the party of all parties. Okay. Now what's so fascinating about this festival is, is that it was a complete and utter failure. 
okay? Not failure as in like, well, you know, that wasn't as fun as we were thinking. Not failure as in like, well, that was okay, but we're going to make some improvements next year. I mean failure as in it was a, a colossal, a gigantic, embarrassing, words cannot describe, jaw cannot drop low enough. You'd have to see it to believe it disaster. I mean, nothing was ready. Necessary infrastructure on the island was nowhere near being complete. The bands didn't show up. There wasn't enough food for people that had poured in from all around the world. There wasn't enough uh, rooms or shelter or beds, right? In, in the pitch black of the very first night, thousands of people scrambled to find their luggage that was pitched off of semi-trucks, uh, and, and then they fought and, and scrambled to find a mattress somewhere in a small tent pitched in a windblown and rain-soaked field. I mean, it was a disaster, and as I watched this documentary, uh, I couldn't tell if I was like really, really sad or really, really entertained, okay? And, 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 and that's beside the point, discussion for another day. Either way, what was so fascinating about this event is that no one had ever heard about it before. It had never happened before. It was really kind of doomed when you think about it, doomed before it even started. And yet, it became the most anticipated event ever before anyone had ever experienced a second of it all because some influencers on instagram were paid to say it's going to be amazing right people came uh, from all over streaming into the bahamas all because some people who had 10,000 or more or maybe 50,000 or more followers online told them to Okay, now you might be thinking this whole influencer thing, well, it's just, you know, it kind of made up on Netflix, right? But I can assure you it's not, right? A few weeks ago, I was in a conversation with a college student, uh, and I was asking her what she wanted to do and what she wanted to become uh, when she graduated. And on her list of possibilities was, you guessed it, an influencer. There's a nice uh, young gal, talented young gal, put together young gal. She said to me, yeah, I'd love to become an influencer. Mid-current, here, here's what I want you to know about the life that God has in store for you. You don't become influential. In God's eyes, you are influential, right? God has already done everything for you and has given you everything you need to be influential for the story that he has authored and that he is continuing to tell today. And if you're not convinced, you're going, well, hey, well, you, you, you don't know who I am. You, 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 know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the life that I've lived. If you're not convinced that that is true of you, I want you to look uh, with me today at a story from the New Testament of one of, of the most unlikely of people who had incredible influence. I, I want you to look at a story today of the most unlikely woman who influenced an entire village for Jesus. First, let me set this story up really quickly. Okay, Jesus is on a little road trip from Judea to Galilee. And on his way, he passed through the village of Samaria. And this was not the usual route that Jews, like Jesus, uh, traveled between Judea and Galilee. It was the shortest route actually, uh, but it was not the preferred route because it would force uh, travelers to encounter 
Samaritans, dun, 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 right? They hated Samaritans, right? Jews had an intense dislike uh, for uh, Samaritans, right? Over some, some social and some political and some religious disagreements, right? Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They were very, very, very low on the social totem pole. And yet Jesus traveled through. When, when, he, when he could have done otherwise, Right? Jesus traveled through there anyway. And, and the Bible says uh, on this journey that he was tired. And so he sat down uh, to rest at a well where he found a Samaritan woman who he asked for a drink. And here is how she responds as we drop into John chapter 4, verse 9. The woman was surprised, it says. Right? Even she knew that this was odd. Even she knew that this was perhaps a little strange. It says, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't have made sense to anybody there in that day. She was a woman, which in that day and in that culture was strike one. She was a Samaritan, which was strike two. And we'll soon find out that she was a woman of of questionable moral character, strike three. Okay, in that day, it was highly, highly irregular. For a person of Jesus' stature, for a, for a person of Jesus' profile to speak uh, to anyone with that kind of social resume. In fact, most people in the first century, they would not have expected these two to even acknowledge each other's presence, let alone to, to speak to each other. Right? So she, this woman, she's caught off guard. She's going, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? But Jesus is pretty savvy. Okay, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he used this moment to turn the tables just a little bit. Here's verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, she says, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer a better water uh, than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Okay, now, now, now Jesus, I, I got to think he's thinking to himself, hey, well, I'm glad that you asked. That is a great question. I'm glad I've got your attention because here's his response in verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water at the well, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And the woman, I mean, she's in. I mean, she's going like, hey, say no more. Here's verse 15. It says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And, and now Jesus, it turns the heat up. Jesus turns the dial just a little bit more. Here's verse 16. He's going, all right. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Uh, verse 17, uh, the woman replied, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. Uh, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Verse 19, the woman said, sir, you must be a prophet. 
She's going, you must be a prophet. And she's most likely thinking, uh, you're, you're not just a prophet. She is most likely thinking you are the prophet. You see, one of the major differences between these Samaritans uh, and Jews is that Samaritans didn't believe in the Old Testament prophets like, you know, Isaiah or Jeremiah or Amos, right? That They only believed uh, in the prophet who, whose coming was predicted in the book of Deuteronomy, the final book of the only books that they believed in, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, that, that was the only real portion of the Old Testament scriptures that Samaritans believed was true. And at the end of uh, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, it's predicted that this prophet was to come. And so she's thinking, man, you, you must be him. You must be the prophet. I mean, how, she go, how else would you know this stuff about me? How, how else would he know all of this about me? Which, by the way... All of this about her, it's exactly why she was at the well in the middle of the day. See, most people made the trek to the well uh, in the morning or at dusk to avoid uh, the heat of the hot afternoon Mediterranean sun. It, it was, you know, almost uh, unbearable. But she went in the middle of the day when the sun was the hottest. Why? Because she wanted to avoid uh, the, the attention and, and the embarrassment and the shame of all the other women who would look down on her because of the lifestyle that she lived. And so she's at the well in the middle of the day, and she meets Jesus. And she's kind of realizing this, this, this guy Jesus is a little different. Right? He, he's shown her nothing but kindness and compassion and, and love and grace. And, and, and I think it starts to dawn on her. Like, he's not treating me like other people do. He's not treating me like I would have expected he would. I mean, I wonder if she's going, hey, I've heard of this guy, Jesus. I've heard of his miracles. And then get this, she actually says to Jesus, she said, I've heard that the Messiah is coming soon. And then Jesus says to her, well, guess what he says? He says, I am the Messiah. Here's verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Midcurrent, that's influence. That, that, that is influence coming from one of the most unlikely people, right? People came streaming from this village all because this woman that they knew, you know, from their hometown, they came streaming because this woman told them to. Here's what I want you to know today. You do not have to be someone special to influence someone for Jesus. Okay? You do not have to be someone special to influence someone in your life for Jesus. This woman was not anyone special. I mean, in, in all honesty, she was a no one. I mean, she ran errands at that time of the day, uh, you know, when she wouldn't have to, to see or talk to anyone else so she wouldn't feel bad uh, about who she was. She was a nobody. She didn't have a, a, a platform. Uh, she, she, she didn't have a, a high profile position. She didn't have the right number of followers uh, on her, you know, social media accounts. But she did have a personal experience with Jesus, and it changed her. 
And so she went and told the people that she knew about the Jesus that she had met. And here's what happened. Verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Friends, you do not have to be someone special to influence someone for Jesus. This week I met a young man. His name was Marcus, who was far more influential uh, for Jesus than I would have ever imagined, than I would have ever given him a credit for. See, I was at Caribou just this past Tuesday morning, this week, writing this very message that I'm delivering to you today. And sitting in front of me was a 20-something-year-old young man, and, and he was wearing white socks and, and flip-flops and sweatpants with the elastic cuff around the ankle and an oversized, you know, brownish beige sweatshirt, kicking back in, in, in one of the big oversized chairs at Caribou. And at one point, I, I, I just looked up from, from my table, I looked up from my computer, and I could see on the screen of his cell phone uh, was the online uh, church service for, for a church based out of North Carolina called Elevation Church. And I could see that he was watching Pastor Stephen Furtick speak online, and I thought to myself, well, that's cool. I mean, I know Elevation. I, you know, we play some of Elevation's music, and I listen to, you know, their, their pastor's messages. I'm thinking, well, that's, that's kind of cool. You know, well, what's going on with him? A little while later, um, I, I got up to, to use the restroom, and as I walked back to my uh, seat, I saw that on the front of his, uh, you know, brownish-beige, oversized hoodie, it said, Elevation Church. And so I stopped, and I sat down next to him, and I said, excuse me, man, can I, can I ask, you know, how you're connected uh, to Elevation? And he told me he was a small group leader for young adults all across the country who have connected with Elevation online. He said he started uh, his group just before COVID hit, and over the last six months, he said his group is the fastest growing uh, group at Elevation. I, and I told him, dude, that's amazing. And then I asked if, if he lived in, in the area here, knowing that, that Elevation Church has people all over the, you know, the country that, that volunteer and serve online. I have some friends in Colorado who, who do that. So I wonder, well, maybe he was just kind of connecting right here from, from the greater Twin Cities area. But he said, no, he, he didn't live in the era. He, he actually said he lived in Orlando, Florida, uh, where Elevation just started a new campus. And so then I asked, well, what are you doing up here? And he said to me, well, hey, well, one of the guys in my small group online lives in Minneapolis. And he said to me, yeah, he doesn't really have any family out here. He doesn't have a lot of connections right now in Minneapolis. And, and he's feeling a little bit lost and, and a little bit lonely. And he's feeling a little bit down and discouraged. So he said, so I jumped on a plane. I'm guessing he wasn't married. I don't know. But he said, I jumped on a plane to come visit him and to spend some time encouraging I mean, at this point, I mean, I, I'm going, man, this is so cool, right? But at this point, I, I figured, I'm thinking to myself, well, he must be. 
He must be some newly hired, you know, really well-paid, highly trained, online, small group, professional at Elevation, right? J just doing his job. And so I asked, well, do, you know, do you work there? Do you work at Elevation? And he smiled and he said, oh, no, no, I just, I'm a volunteer. He said, I'm actually an account manager for the online delivery service DoorDash, right? He's an at-home Work from, you know, his, his laptop in his sweatpants, account manager for DoorDash. I mean, it's unbelievable. When I left, I told him, man, if you're willing to fly across the country to encourage a fellow brother in Christ, I told him, I cannot wait to see uh, what God would do through you next. I, I'm thinking to myself, I cannot even imagine what God could do through this sweatpants wearing, work from home, DoorDash delivery, small group leader. In mid-current, I cannot wait to see what God would do through each of you and, and through me when we truly understand the fact and the reality that we are influential to God's story. You do not have to be someone special to influence someone, to influence a village, to influence an entire community for Jesus. You don't have to be an athlete or a politician, or a pastor. You don't have to have a perfectly managed, you know, Instagram account or a you know, particular number of followers. You don't become influential. In God's eyes, you are influential. You have influence. When you show up in other people's lives because God first showed up in yours, more people learn about God's story and about God's love for them that was so brilliantly and so beautifully displayed in the life and in the ministry and in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't care what mistakes you've made or what kind of life that you've lived. I don't, I don't care how many Bible verses you know. I don't care what you do for a living or what your income is or what your title is, right? You are influential to God's story. So let me ask you today, what will you do today? What will you do this week or, or this month or this year to be influential to the story that God is telling? And maybe more importantly, who is it in your everyday life that you might influence for Jesus today? Let's pray for eyes to see every single day that someone that we might influence for Jesus. Let me pray that prayer for us right now. God, I am praying today for, for all of us here today for, for everybody watching online. God, I'm praying that very prayer for all of us, that you would give us eyes to see, God. Would you give us an awareness every day? Would you give us the eyes to see uh, the people in our everyday life who we might have an opportunity to influence on your behalf? God, if there's anyone here who is, who is unsure of the part that they play in your story, if there's anyone here who, who thinks that there's something in their life or that there's something about them that, that disqualifies them from being an influential member of the whole body of Christ, I pray today that you would remind them of the vital part that they will play in the story that you are writing today. God, somehow, some way, would you find ways to remind us 
and, and to reaffirm for us how it is that you see us. That we do not have to be someone special in order to influence someone for you and for your son, Jesus. God, most of all, we give you thanks for Jesus who gave his life so that we could have life and help others to know of the life that is available to them too. We pray this in your name.